Scaramouche! The bigger point of his quest was for Mihoyo to kind of specify and also backpedal a little bit on just the extent to which Ermin's soul can be modified. First of all, I don't believe that they're going to hold to any hard and fast rules of Ermin's soul. I think they're going to King Crimson it and they're going to shift the parameters a little bit, but we're just going to have to like ignore that and focus on having a good time with the story. But for now, what they're saying is you can't change events. You can get rid of an entity and people's memories of it, but something else will fill that void so that causality remains the same. And I guess in some cases, if there isn't enough of that entity left to even kind of catch those crumbs, then they will just get like spat back into Erminsoul. Because it's like Ruku Devata is enough of a continuation of Kusanali or vice versa that they can just kind of prune off the Ruka Devata part. She was basically saying, like, by conferring my existence into Nahida, she's essentially patching up any holes in history I would be leaving behind. So no one's going to come looking for me because there's not going to be any inconsistencies. But with Scaramouche, it was different. True to his elemental power, he left a void, and there were questions about that void. So, and that's why he got spat back out in the form of the little happy dude that we met him at in the Archon quest. Yeah, because there was too much inconsistencies about the setting, enough to bring up the fact that there was this, like, invisible agent involved in all of these historical events. What's really interesting about this is that this was actually all foreshadowed during Iridori vis-a-vis Albedo's painting that he made, One thing we never really covered, because we didn't really understand the significance of it at the time, was just how many of the characters in Iridori were directly tied into Scaramouche's backstory, and how much of that was drip-feeding more themes and elements we were going to eventually revisit. The original plot of the Five Cousins storylines is the story of a poetry contest that involves some level of fraud that got one of five poets kicked out of the competition. It was outlined in the story that this was the Raiden Gokuden, and the poet that was kicked out was actually the swordsmithing school that Kazuha's family was responsible for, the Ishin school. As we later found out, Scaramouche himself was directly responsible at the time known as Kuni Kazushi, or the Country Destroyer. So the entire plot was not so much a story about these poets and plagiarism, but actually a unseen nemesis off-screen manipulating events and causing problems for the country of Inazuma. And at the very end, the way that Albedo portrayed this after essentially solving the 100-year-old mystery was representing the poet that Scaramouche was a metaphor for as invisible, until the characters opted to splash water on it, at which point the invisible ink revealed itself and Scaramouche was in the painting. This would later prove to actually be foreshadowing for Scaramouche looking at his past actions, realizing he was in the wrong because he had been manipulated by Dottore, and then choosing to erase himself from history, thus burying the truth. He just leaves a negative space outline shaped like himself. Kind of like what the invisible character is in Iridori, where like everything they infer about his actions come from the gaps in everybody else's. And so the gaps stay, 
one of the ways to maintain awareness of this erased person from Urban Soul's records is if their tale is told allegorically. And that's how Nahida is aware of him because she happened to pen a fairy tale that is an allegory for his life. Yeah, yeah. I really like that aspect of the storytelling too, because I think that it actually begins to recontextualize even some of the earliest quests in the game. Like for instance, Leaf's character quest is about retrieving a children's book, which is also sufficiently allegorical. It also provides a very cute, marketable kitty cat design for him that was basically lab tested for people to want to draw fan art of and buy merch of. So they knew what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this guy might have destroyed countries, been indirectly responsible for Tepe dying, set Senora up to get murdered by a woman who he actually hates more than her. But you know what? Deep down, he's just a little kitty cat. He's just this feral little kitty cat who needs, like, a bath, a good meal, and a hug in that order. <laughs> you can fix him. You can fix him today if you roll him in the gotcha. <laughs> you pay those primo gemos and you roll this man, and he can literally become your very own poor little meow meow. I can tell you right now that that is considered the case for most of the men that Genshin releases. There has not been a single new male character that's been released that I have not seen a catboy variation of on Reddit. Except okay. for the two that are explicitly dog boys. And Xiao, who is a bird. No, no, no. But no, 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 no. They still draw Xiao as a cat boy. I mean, he has cat boy energy. You know that man eats out of the dumpster behind Wang Shu <laughs> No, of course he does. Scaramouche is something that, like, you had to have been there. He was a guy who was teased through various time-limited events over the course of two whole years. And if you missed even one of those, you missed so much of the context for why the fandom is obsessed with this guy. I was not there for his debut event, Unreconciled Stars, which, to my understanding, was a big deal for people playing at that point. Well, it's bizarre because the thing about it was it was the first major event that the game had. And, like, events in gacha games are pretty typical, but usually they're not always so intrinsically tied to the story. So this kind of set like the precedent for, hey, Genshin events are important enough as to be nearly fully canon. Things like, you know, Mona and Fischl's friendship, Skarmouche's introduction, even the stuff sort of related to the false sky were all introduced in that initial event. And it was crucial. So Unreconciled Stars came out in Genshin 1.1 which was kind of like the first post-launch big story edition. It included the final act of the Liyue Archon quest, which was not in the game at launch. It added Zhongli and Child as playable characters for the first time, and it added the Child boss fight. Scaramouche is the first character from Inazuma that appeared in the game, and the first indicator that there was going to be this Japanese region. And it was like the third Harbinger that we've actually been introduced to. Actually the second, depending on when you've played the game or how far into the Archon quest you've gotten. Genshin was such a different thing back then. There were so many more unknowns. You have to understand how little lore there was back then. We hadn't met Dane's Leaf. We didn't know anything about the bigger story. We haven't even seen our twin again, so we don't even know what they're up to in the Abyss Order. And then here comes this dipshit in a hat in this random event. 
and he drops some cryptic shit about the sky and he disappears. His first introduction in Unreconciled Stars is he's pretending to be a random vagrant and then it's only later revealed when Mona's able to cosmically detect his bullshit that he drops the facade and turns into like little shithead mode. So was he there to put a hit out on the Traveler specifically? If I remember correctly... It was a situation where he was investigating the meteors on behalf of the Fatui, as well as to follow up on what Piero told him about the sky, and then just happened to come across the Traveler. And he just wanted to kill him for shits. Well, he knew that the Traveler was, like, a threat. Yeah, this is this is a really interesting point, because, like, the thing about it is, it was a limited time event, and as of right now... January of 2023, they have not rerun a single event. Usually, you'll see in gotcha games, events will come back the next year. Sometimes they're even permanent uh, under the right circumstances. You might have to pay an unlock key or something for them. So far, Genshin has not rerun anything. And thematically, especially with some stuff we're going to be talking about pretty soon, they might even say, hey, all that stuff has been retconned. We're changing it. You actually remember it wrong. The world's changed. Yeah, Hoyoverse has definitely given themselves an out for or some of their early writing that they may not agree with anymore. Yeah, for instance, Iridori kind of goes over the fall of the Raiden Gokaden, which is one of Skiramusha's earliest little ventures. But the game can't assume that you've played that because it's a limited event. And so instead, it gives you the version that's told through Kazuha's quest. And whether or not that carries over all the nuances of Iridori, it's kind of like Mihoyo's call, I guess. I think it's less important that you remember the exact play-by-play and instead remember what happened vaguely so they can retell you all the details. I mean, even um, the current interlude starts off with a literal guy shoving an essay in your face and outlining in really excruciating detail everything that happened at the Mikage Furnace. They have tried to tell that story so many times. They told it through found text items in Tatarasuna. They told it through Iridori. They told it through a little bit in uh, Kazuha's Island in Golden Apple, and then through Kazuha's quest proper, and then in the Archon interlude for Scaramouche. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think one of the unfortunate tragedies of these events is that some of the ways they've told the story are better than others. For instance, with Kazuha's quest, that's an instance where he's not interacting with other playable characters. Whereas if you engaged with the Raiden Gokuren through Iridori Festival or even through the Golden Apple Archipelago, that was an instance where he had other characters that you as a player presumably care about to kind of bounce his own um, thoughts, ideas off of. Which means that to some capacity, the version of the story that's staying in the game the longest is kind of not the best one. So that's kind of what I wanted to ask is like, is the permanent storytelling that's in the game sufficient? Obviously, some things about the story are going to be better when this is all told consecutively as a finished product and some things are going to suffer. Yeah, yeah. I think this is going to be a problem that's essentially just going to become worse and worse as the game goes on. 
One thing I remember immediately out the gate is during Inazuma, Skarmouche gets an introduction right after a fade to black, and he just goes right into his villainous monologue. There's no buildup to him whatsoever. You just encounter him at that Fatui delusion factory. And that really sucked for a lot of players, because, like, Beefy, you had to go through that specifically. Like, yes. randomly, here's this little shit. So it's just the characters awkwardly saying, who are you? Ah, I'm Scaramouche, you know? Yeah, like, obviously, I'm friends with these guys, and I'm looking at the fandom, so I know that Scaramouche is a thing. But this is technically the first time I've met him in-game, and it just was like, did I sleep through this episode that came right before it? What's going on? It just makes me wonder how adequately the story is being delivered to what I would call casual story enjoyers. These aren't people who go on Reddit and read lore stuff. These aren't people who watch lore YouTubers, but these also aren't people who are ignoring the story because I feel like they have to look outside the game for it. Like, I don't know how many people do. And in fact, maybe that's why an alarming number of people don't play Genshin for the story, which is like, I don't know why you're here, but maybe it's just because they would have to actually do homework and that's not their fault because as fun as that is and as much as we love the easter egg hunt that should not be necessary to enjoy the story of this game the only mitigation that genshin has for this is putting the cutscenes on their youtube channel and that's just kind of assumed to be a essential part of keeping up with the story of the game is outside of the game itself yeah yeah and this doesn't just include events and time-limited content, but it also includes content like character trailers, uh, narrations by Dainsleth, interactions that otherwise don't happen in-game. Like, for instance, Changyun and Shenhe confirming their familial connection. And that's another instance where an outside game resource is filling out gaps in content in the game itself. Now, for a live service game, this reliance on external media isn't uncommon. For instance, we extensively play Warframe and Monster Hunter, and those are games where it's just a given that you're going to have to look on the wiki for stuff. But having a wiki for gameplay-related stuff is a lot different than having to get your story content off-platform. Yeah, I really wish that there was some kind of in-game resource for the trailers, just because they do serve to sort of introduce characters better than the in-game stories tend to introduce characters. Yeah, I, because of the lack of in-game resources for things like scripts for the Archon quest. The Archon quest and the character story quest, anything that has predominantly voiced dialogue will get archived in the form of a screenplay that you can rehear the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it, it was the inverse. Them kind of setting a priority to story quests and archon quests and saying, you can look elsewhere for anything else, which is a little bit of a shame. Especially since the unvoiced side quests and world quests have gone from, like, the stupid Mondstadt, I need meat for my stew, can you kill eight boars? And have actually become these springboards for incredible storytelling and world building. And it, now it's a huge shame that we can't reaccess those. And I, we're actually really interested in hearing from people in terms of their own experiences with missable content. So uh, if there's anything you felt like you missed out, uh, give us a little comment. I am so glad that we are never going to have to talk about Unreconciled Stars after this. That is the best part of this episode is we are done. This albatross that has been hanging over us since the beginning of the podcast is over and we are done 
through discussing it. Yeah, literally nothing about it is ever going to come back unless they suddenly decide that Stanley's important for some reason. Never I mean, again. I mean, the sky is still bullshit. Yeah, the I was going to say, he'd be the bearer of bad news. I that now in the Archon Quest. Yes, he got that from Piero, which means that the Torre divulging that information is as significant as Scaramouche doing it because they're both secondhand sources. So, like, it's done. We're done. We're free! <laughs> if you haven't already, please hit the bell icon. We have absolutely no release schedule. We just kind of make these episodes happen when we can. We don't want you to miss us, so definitely make sure that you've got notifications. We want to keep a dialogue going with you, the Illuminati faithful. So if you got any topics to discuss, questions you might have, uh, definitely let us know. Follow us on Twitter at Shade Chamber Pod. And if you're not on YouTube or Twitter, you can get to the Shade Chamber website at bit.ly slash Shade Chamber Podcast. You can use our contact form there. ShadeChamberPodcast.com should still work. It's kind of a janky redirect, and I just have not had the time to fix it. Totally optional, but if you want to help offset my crippling energy drink addiction when I'm editing these episodes, you can go ahead and chuck a couple bucks at our Kofi coffee page. We'll keep putting out this stuff regardless, but it does kind of help us sustain this as a pastime. You can also purchase some of the art assets that we use on the show, such as the full body picture of Sino's 2008 emo wolf fursona, which I drew in MS Paint. A very millennial authentic way to support this podcast. Yeah, go get a print of your goth furry campus police officer. Tell your friends, feed the algorithm. Click the things that make the dings. And until next time, ride the lightning, Kuno. Ride, ride the, the lightning, lightning Kuno! Kuno! <laughs>